stand. I want you to stand. Do you realize that you're going to come under attack? I want you to stand when you're under attack. Stand, therefore, that's your third stand right here in, the, in this short little passage. Stand, therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And if you have a new uh, King James, or if you maybe have a King James that's been dated or a little different than mine, it should be the wicked one. I mean, he's talking here about the enemy. He's talking about Satan. And many of the, the different, um, I think, uh, your skull fields and some of those have put wicked one in there, but mine doesn't have it, so you need to realize that the fiery darts are the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For I am an ambassador in bounds, and therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Um, I would like us just to have a word of prayer because we're going to start into looking at the scriptures here. And you know that one of the things that was amazing that I didn't realize, one of the things the enemy can do as I was studying in the scriptures, he can take scriptures out of the hearts of the hearers. Jesus Christ said that. He said they received the word with gladness and the enemy came and took the word out of their heart. You know, that should tell you how you ought to be praying for the hearers when you're teaching the word of God, that you would bind the enemy. They would not be able to steal the word out of the heart of those that are hearing the word. They received it readily, and then the enemy took it out of their heart. Isn't that a tragedy? Have you seen children receive the word and yet not respond to it, and the next time you met them, they were hard as rocks? And yet there was such a moving of the Spirit of God on them at the time. You knew God was moving. And yet before they got out of club, what they'd been sown had been stolen out of their heart. And you check that it's taught in two places by Jesus Christ himself about the sower that went forth to sow the seed. Father, we ask that the enemy would not be allowed to come in, to take away, to rob, to steal, to disrupt to cause our minds to focus on something else but the truth of scriptures. We ask, Father, that these days that you might hedge us about and it might be a time of refreshing and blessing as we study who we are in Christ. And as we focus on the battle that we're in and the provisions you've made for us so that we might stand as we give forth the word of God, turning the hearts of men and women and boys and girls from darkness to the light of the gospel, spoiling the kingdom of darkness and being used to the spirit of God to translate people into the kingdom of light. Oh, Father, may we realize Satan hates it and he will do all that he can to destroy our credibility and our ministry. 
Father, may these six hours together make us more aware of how he may work in our life and in our situation. And Father, may we apply the provisions for victory that you've given to us. Amen. In the spiritual warfare, we have an interesting statement in verse 12. It says there, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That is a very tremendous illustration. Scripture is filled. Scripture is visualized, and it's visualized with words. We are the visualization people. Uh, I think CEF was the first that in, introduced visualization into teaching children, uh, or certainly strongly did. Uh, God has changed the, the, the concept of Sunday school and churches in visualizing truth for children, the importance of seeing it. It's the same way as words. Words cause us to visualize things. I talked about a boy that was stabbed and his blood was all over the sidewalk as he was stabbed to death in front of the hotel. Uh, you can visualize that, can't you? You know, words cause us to see things and we want to be sure that the hearer sees the proper thing. And scripture is filled with visualization. Some of the problems of the visualization has to do with the time frame. What the word visualized when it was written and what it visualizes to us today may not be one and the same thing. We talk about wrestling today. He says we do not wrestle uh, against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers. Now, wrestling, just recently somewhere, I don't know, somewhere in America, they have the wrestling championship for the world or something or other. And, uh, you know, uh, hunk wrestled super hunk or something, you know, I don't know, someplace somewhere these guys wrestled in Detroit or someplace or other, and uh, somebody won. And if that's what you visualize is super hunk and hunk wrestling, then you've got the wrong, you're seeing the wrong picture. That's not the picture that God wanted us to see. When this was written, he was talking about the wrestling that, were, that was done in the Olympics in those days. The wrestling that people were aware of, what they saw. Wrestling, just think of this. When was the last time you wrestled against spiritual powers? I said wrestled against. Wrestling is hand-to-hand -hand combat that's exhausting. You and I need to have people standing behind us that know how to wrestle in prayer. I don't know how many supporters that you have in your ministry. We, we send out a prayer letter to about 400 people. But I don't know how many of them pray. And then I don't know how many of them know how to really pray. You know what I'm talking about? Not, a, not the kind I lay me down to sleep. You know, bless Logan and his wife to keep. Amen. I mean, people that really know how to grab a hold of the Lord and to wrestle for the souls of boys and girls, and how to pray for me. We had a situation that was horrible from another mission, a family that came in that was being demonized. It was a horrible situation, and I thought, who can I call? 
to pray for us as we help this missionary family that was just being totally annihilated in horrible, horrible ways. And I thought of a few people that I could call that I knew would stand in prayer with us as we worked with this missionary family. Um, it wasn't of CEF, it was one of the other missions. Wrestling, in the, the Greek wrestling, was a wrestling till one of the combatants could not stand. So you had two people wrestling. And the winner was the one who could stand, and the loser was the one who could no longer get up. And when the man won, he did two things. The first thing he did is he'd stand and put his foot on the neck of the loser. And that goes way back into the Bible days. Remember they brought the kings out of the caves, and they laid them down, and they put their foot on their necks, and that's a sign of total authority over that one, total victory over that person. And so he would stand, he put his foot on the neck of the loser, and he'd raise his hands in the air as the victor and call for a sword. And he would take the sword and he would gouge out the eyes of the loser. And the loser would walk in darkness the rest of his life. Isn't that a picture? When a believer loses to the enemy, they'll walk in darkness. That's the picture. I love what the scripture says. If the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is the darkness. And it's possible for you and I to have some light and a lot of darkness too. Then, right? To have light and darkness together within us. One of the things that I had never seen before that was just um, amazing to me, and it was in the scriptures all the time, and just, I just didn't see it. I believe it's in the book of Mark. I would like you to turn there. And you're saying where? Well, just, um, it's somewhere. On the other hand, it may be Luke. It's towards the end of the life of the Lord Jesus. Let's see. Yes, here it is. It's in Luke 20, chapter 22. It was interesting. I saw this at Easter time, and it was a, uh, a wonderful time to see this truth. There's a lot of spiritual warfare in this particular chapter. A lot of mentions of what is happening. In verse 3 of chapter 22, it says, Then entered Satan into Judas. Well, it's interesting that you'll see, if you read in John's account, that in the upper room it said, Satan put in the heart of Judas first. Satan put in his heart. And then we have Satan entering him and taking total control of him. And then it says in the, the uh, John's account, that he went out 
and it was night. And whenever Satan is in control of someone's life, it's always night. It's always dark. And then uh, we have in verse 31, the Lord said unto Simon, 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 behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as we. Do you know that Satan has that same desire for you? But look at this beautiful thing. But I have prayed for thee. Isn't that beautiful? That thy faith fail not. There's two kinds of faith in the Bible. The acts of faith and the attitudes of faith. And God wants us to have attitudes of faith. And let me explain that to you. Jesus said to the disciples, we need to go to the other side because I need to minister over there. And um, he said, let's get in the boat and let's go. And so they got in the boat and they started to where? Where were they going? The other what? I can't hear you. The other side. If Jesus said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side, what can I know? What do I know? We're going where? Amen. If he says, if I receive his son, and I have eternal life, and that eternal life in my destiny is heaven, am I going to make it? And so my attitude of faith is to rest in what? To rest in that. Jesus said, we're, I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm not going to, when I die, open my eyes and say, ah, guess what, I made it. No. It's not a hope so. It's a what? It's a no so. And it's an attitude of faith. God wants us to have an attitude of faith. If he said it, I believe it, and what do I do? I rest in that. Well, we got a wonderful lesson because we have Jesus in the boat, and because of his attitude of faith, what was he doing? He went to the end of the boat, and what did he do there? He went to sleep because what did he know was going to happen to them? That they were going to get where? To the other side. And that's the attitude of faith. He slept in the attitude of faith. But in the middle of the lake, and it's not that big. My wife and I had an opportunity of, of going to the Holy Land. It's not that big. There was a storm. Now, it's not a problem in how much water the boat's in. The problem is, is how much water is in the boat. That's when you have a problem. And they were having a problem. There was too much water in the boat. And the disciples said this, and this is super significant. They said, wake up. Don't you care? Have you ever said that to the Lord? Wake up. Don't you care? Don't you see what's happening to me? To my ministry? Don't you see what I'm going through? Wake up up there. And Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, oh, I'm so glad 
that you woke me up so you could see an act of faith. What did he say to them? Oh, ye of what? Little faith. When I say we're going to the other what? Side, you fellows can count on it. And what was significant about that, do you know what the other side was? Gadara. These fellows didn't even have faith to believe that they, could, that they could get to the other side. What kind of faith did they need when they met a man possessed of a legion of demons? And so in that passage, you see an attitude of faith and you see an act of faith as Jesus quieted storms. Moving on, that's all free. That's, we're just getting to where I'm going. And I got to get there pretty quick because he's going to move me off the platform in about four minutes. Is it, are we going by um, St. Louis? If we're going by St. Louis time, I have an hour and five minutes. <laughs> but this is something I, I never saw before. Jesus went into the garden and he was praying. And Judas came with the soldiers and with the religious leaders and all of that. And verse 53. And Jesus said this, And when I was daily with you in the temple, you stretch forth your hand, you stretch forth no hands against me. He's talking to religious leaders, and he said, I was with you. You're coming at me like a common thief. I was with you in the temple. How come you didn't take me there? Now remember, he's talking to the religious leaders, and he makes this statement, but this is your what? Our. So this is what you've been waiting for. Your hour to destroy me. You wanted to get rid of me, and this is your hour. But I never saw the other statement. And it was also the hour of who? The power of darkness. Do you realize that Satan and his host thought that when they were involved in the killing of Christ, that that was it? They thought that was the end. Get rid of them. They missed what? The resurrection. The disciples missed the resurrection. The religious leaders missed the resurrection. The people closest to Jesus missed the resurrection. And Satan missed the resurrection. And he said, it's the hour for both of you, the religious leaders and the powers of darkness, you will destroy me. This is your hour. Now, the exciting part of this, turn to Colossians. You put it together. This is a reference now to Christ's crucifixion. What did the crucifixion accomplish for me in spiritual warfare? Now, there's a lot of things, but this passage deals with it. He says in verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us. Which, remember, we're jumping into a sentence here, but just as we're running out of time. Blotting out of the handwriting the ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Now, as he took the, you know, the law and all of the parts of the law that were fulfilled and was nailed to the cross and he died for that, he makes two significant statements here in the next passage of what else took place. Here at the cross, the enemy was tormenting him. If you look in, vine, uh, in um, oh, the expository dictionary, New Testament words, uh, Vincent's, I think it is. No, Vincent's, Vines. Weiss, what, who am I? Vines. Right, thank you. Vines, expository dictionary, New Testament words. If you look this up, 
of the that passage there of Jesus, the powers of darkness, the uh, Alfred somebody or other, it wasn't Edersheim, somebody or other, some old fellow that knew everything, wrote a statement and said this, when Jesus hung on the cross, not only did the crowds torment him, but he was tormented by the unseen powers of darkness. And as he hung on the cross, there was a battle going on that you and I never saw. Now, the enemy used people. They said, if you're the son of God, come down. Those are statements right out of the pit. Now, a person said it, but the enemy works through people. They said that. But there was the spiritual warfare that was going on that we didn't see at all as he hung on the cross and the enemy was tormenting him at that time. But what they didn't realize is what this really meant as far as their future. And it tells us here in verse 15. Having spoiled, when? When he was hanging on the cross, as, he, as his blood came from his body and his life slipped from him, he was spoiling the principalities and powers and he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And let me give you two beautiful words that you might want to put in your Bible somewhere. The word spoiled means to disarm. He depowered darkness. The cross depowered the enemy. He took away their power, their weapons. They were spoiled. And then the word triumph is he became champion over them in the cross. Isn't that beautiful? In the garden, Jesus said, this is your hour. And they rejoiced. And in his hour, he took the power away from the enemy. And he became the champion, seated at the Father, far above what? Principalities and powers and rulers and dominion. And they're all under what? His feet. They're under his feet. And you and I are told to what? Stand in that power. Stand in that. That's mine. That's yours. That's my heritage. That's where I'm standing. I'm standing in the power of Christ. And from that standing, then I can begin to put on the essentials to ward off the attacks that come. Father, we thank you so much for who we are in Christ. Father, may the truths of what we've been sharing together, may the Spirit of God make it real to us. May we see the importance of this in relationship to our work, our walk, our talk, our ministry. Father, help us to see who we are in Christ. Amen.